This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with us. Right now, the unemployment rate is as low as it has been in decades. We hear economists say that we are at or near full employment. Yet, believe it or not, there is a problem right now in the United States of being able to fill millions of jobs. Sometimes the skill sets for these positions in many towns are not matching up with the people already living there. So some companies are now recruiting from outside, from around the country, I should say, to bring people in for these jobs. And believe it or not, some cities are helping them out as well. The companies are offering great deals, including money for new home purchases, money to help relieve student debt, and other ideas to bring these people to their metropolises. Shane D. Rice is a reporter for the Wall Street Journal who is covering the story, and she joins us right now. Shane D., great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This is an amazing story. I mean, it's one thing for companies to say, hey, listen, you know, we'll give you the big bonus. We'll give you the extra $20,000 or, you know, we'll help you with moving expenses. But the cities here are being involved in this as well. Yeah. I mean, just to clarify, the companies have nothing to do with this. Right. Um, this is purely an effort from civic leaders, um, from city people in the city. Um, this is the local community foundation in small cities, small towns, rural areas. So there's no company money involved in this. Um, this is just cities deciding that they don't have enough working age people uh, to support the companies that they have. And in order to get those people, uh, they're offering all sorts of financial incentives. Like you say, you know, they're willing to pay off student loan debt. Uh, they're willing to give people money towards land um, and just, in some cases, just flat out cash. How much money are we talking here roughly in some of these towns? So, you know, it depends. Um, the main town that we focus on in the story um, is a place called Hamilton, Ohio. It's about an hour from Cincinnati. Uh, and there, uh, for people who are young and Working in the STEM field, so, you know, science, um, math, engineering, um, things like that, they will give you $5,000 towards your student loan debt if you live in the downtown core for two years. Uh, so it comes out to about $200 a month towards your student loan debt. And so you're talking about, you mentioned the downtown area. I'm guessing we're talking about small downtowns that in many cases uh, have lost a lot of business, lost a lot of local business. Maybe they were manufacturing towns and the, and the company left. Uh, and some of these old facilities, from what I read in the article, uh, are being converted over into living locations so that you can have kind of that upscale feel while you're living in a smaller town. Yeah, exactly. So um, in the case of Hamilton, um, it's sort of this perfect example of an old Rust Belt city. Um, Hamilton, Ohio was once called uh, the safe capital of the world. And by safe, it was referring to safe manufacturers. So, you know, companies that built vaults and uh, metal safes and things yeah. like that. Um, it also was a center for paper mills. Um, and it was this really, you know, thriving city uh, that had lots of, you know, good kind of working class, middle class jobs. Um, but obviously, manufacturing throughout the, that area um, has sort of been on the decline. Um, and by the early 2000s, I would say, most of those paper mills and safe manufacturers were gone. 
um, and the downtown area was pretty much decimated. I mean, you know, at least the stories that I was told is that buildings were condemned, um, and, you know, you barely even had people walking around. Um, the occupancy rate was something like 2%. How, su- so, how successful yeah. How successful is this right now? Because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, a $5,000, you know, gift to be able to help pay off your student loan debt or whatever it might be, you know, in this day and age, a lot of kids are dealing with $30,000, $40,000, but it seems like even that $5,000 is enough to get some of these people to move. Well, with the Hamilton program, uh, they haven't started it yet. They right. just started accepting their applications. They have 12 people who've applied, and they have 11 slots that they can fill. This is the first year that they're doing it. Some of the other programs have been going on a little bit longer. Um, and, uh, you know, they're still kind of testing it out. I think eventually they'd like to raise the amount of money uh, to 10000 But since this is the first year, they're just kind of seeing what kind of reaction they can get. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. But like you said, if you are a young person straight out of college and you have twenty, thirty thousand dollars of student debt, and someone tells you, "Well, make sure you have a job. Um, you have to live in our downtown for two years. That's not very long when yeah. you're twenty-two years old, yeah. um, and we'll pay off a chunk of your student loan debt." I mean, it's not a bad deal. <laughs> We're talking with Shandy Rice of the uh, Wall Street Journal. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like. Send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the terms which I, I find it a little interesting that is used in this is that I guess some of these cases are being referred to as scholarships. Yeah, they're called reverse scholarships. So the reason is because, you know, you think of a typical scholarship is to go to school, right? So this is a reverse scholarship. This is once you've gone to school and you have the student loan debt, then they'll help pay that off. So that's why they use the term scholarship. Okay. Well, then what is Hamilton what has Hamilton seen in the early early days of this? I mean, they obviously feel like it is a good idea. Are they are they seeing people wanting to to make that move and where is Hamilton in regards to the remainder of the state? Um, I think that um, they've come a long way. So I was saying um, earlier that, you know, in the sort of mid-2000s and around the recession, they had something like a 2% occupancy rate in their downtown. Um, They now have close to 100% occupancy rate. So the city's made a lot of efforts in terms of attracting employers. Um, You know, they have the jobs. There are companies there that are willing to hire people. Um, They have loft apartments. They've got, you know, a couple restaurants, a coffee shop. Um, But it's still in the early days, and they feel really strongly that the big thing that's missing for them is the people because, and this is sort of part of what is leading to all of this, is that there's been this sort of, you know, decline of people, uh, in these smaller cities, rural areas, people yeah. have been leaving and moving to big cities, especially younger people. And this problem is particularly acute in the Midwest. That that was going to be my next question. You go through a variety of towns, uh, and, and a majority of them were Iowa and Michigan and Ohio, places in the Midwest where, I, I guess to a degree, people have left to go to the bigger cities. 
Yeah, exactly. So when you look at the country and the you know the whole, the country as a whole as a whole has pretty slow population growth, but if you kind of break the country down by region, you can see that there are some regions of the country that are doing better and some that are not doing well at all when it comes to population growth. So the western part of the country, you know, think states like Utah and Colorado, and then the southern part of the country, Florida, they're growing really well. Their population growth is pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. When you look at the northeast and the midwest, it's really bad. Um, so they have very weak population growth or in some cases actually declining population growth. And in some of these states, more people are moving out than they are moving in. Um, and so on top of that, a lot of these places, especially the Midwest, there isn't a lot of immigration. Um, so you've got a real problem. And it's, a, it's the worker shortage um, is particularly acute in the Midwest because of that trend of very slow and even, in some cases, declining population growth. I'm guessing that some of these cities, and probably Hamilton included, have looked at a variety of different ways to potentially solve this problem. This being one of them, I I, I know we've talked about the past that a lot of smaller cities are looking at, you know, the education that they are providing to be able to maybe have it fit some of the businesses that are coming in and having the partnerships with the business and, and the education. Hamilton, I'm guessing, probably looked at a lot of these, but but is going with this idea. You know, I think a lot of these places are doing everything. So the thing that you mentioned, um, worker training programs, yeah. that is something that's been also very popular. A lot of talk about ways that the state can get involved in subsidizing worker training programs, because I think you mentioned at the outset of this that there's a problem with, it's not just that there's a worker shortage, but there's also what they call a skills gap, where yeah. the skills yeah. that are necessary for some of these jobs, um, the people in these places don't necessarily have those skills. And there are a whole bunch of reasons for why that is potentially going on. But, you know, so worker training programs is something that states have been touting, the federal government has talked about. But the problem with the worker training programs in some of these places, again, is that you don't even have the people to train. So, you know, community colleges will basically offer you free tuition. um, And they'll, they'll, you know, teach you how to work in a manufacturing firm um, or on on a factory floor. But if you don't have enough people to go to these community colleges, then, you know, you can offer all the programs that you want, um, but you're still not going to have enough people to solve your worker shortage. So so somebody accepts one of these offers. They come to Hamilton or one of these other small towns and they have, I guess, basically a contract, as you said, to at least live in the downtown for X amount, whether it's two years, years, three years, whatever that whatever that number may be. What happens if they get a year in, they get an offer from Apple or some other massive company and they decide that they want to move? I, they can move. They probably would just have to pay back their, the, the money that they've you know, already taken from the city. Which is not, it, it's still, I mean, they've gotten that opportunity to be in that, in that community and, and help build out that city because that is the end goal here is that these cities are trying to build themselves back up from what has been probably a, you know, a dark last decade or two. Yeah, I mean, I would say two things on that. I think you're raising a really important point, which is even if you attract people to these places, then how do you get to keep them there, right? So that is like a whole separate issue that a lot of these towns and cities are trying to deal with. Um, But, you know, first step is kind of, all right, let's get them there. So here's what the logic is behind at least the Hamilton program and the reason why it's focused on the downtown. So 
they sort of see this trend going on, right? They see that urban centers and cities, that that's where young people, so-called millennials, want to be, right? They want to be living in a cool downtown with lots of amenities, coffee shops, bars, restaurants. They want everything within walking distance. They don't want to have to use, you know, cars. They want public transportation. So they see that trend going on, and they're saying, well, why can't we offer something like that in Hamilton? Well, they can't offer something like that in Hamilton unless they have the people and then they, the amenities will build up around those people. So the thinking is, let's bring the people into the downtown area. Let's have them living there. And then the amenities will come and follow. And then more people will come and follow because they'll want to live that lifestyle. And then that will sort of help usher in even more people. And that will be the long-term solution to the worker shortage and to you know this, this bigger issue of just these smaller cities dying out. And, and in terms of the investment that some of these cities are making right now, they see it as a very small amount on what could be potentially a very profitable future when you talk about the businesses that come in and the people that come in. And as you mentioned, all of the smaller businesses, the ancillary businesses that will end up uh, filling in uh, some of the empty empty uh, storefronts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it could theoretically work. And, you know, on you can look at it one way and you can say like, okay, this is happening one by one, right? I mean, what is 11 people going to do in a town or a city of 62,000? I mean, it's 11 people. But I think the idea is that those 11 people will, you know, help attract another 11 people and, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a risky proposition to some extent, um, but we're not talking about like, you know, billions of dollars of investment here. You know, we're talking about, you know, $30,000 or whatever it is. So, um, so it's, it's certainly a test worth trying out and uh, you know, time will tell if it works. And and they don't see this as a kind of a last ditch effort to be able to, you know, get this city back up and running. They see this as, Probably a next step in the process, correct? Yeah, I think that they, you know, they've done a lot. They've done what they can in terms of revitalizing the downtown. You know, there's only so much that a city can do if there aren't people there, right? So, like right. like I was saying, like buying up dilapidated buildings, offering different incentives to companies to move downtown. You know, they've offered below market rent to private companies that they don't want to lose. Like, they're really trying to do everything that they can to try to get people, you know, to – to, to make it pretty, to make it livable. But if you don't have the population, it's going to sort of stop at some point. And they really need the population to grow. And they also, just when I talk about the population, I should be clear that I'm, I'm talking about younger people because, yeah. you know, in this case, especially a place like Hamilton, a lot of the people are older and nearing retirement. And that is also part of a national trend. The baby boomer population is aging. They're aging out of the labor force. And so, you know, there needs to be enough people to replace those people. Right. Because the potential is you start to lose so many people that you're almost losing the town itself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just don't have a vibrant place. Nobody's going to want to open up a business there. Businesses will leave if there aren't people. I mean, you know, we talk uh, about unemployment being a a low unemployment being a good thing, and it absolutely is a good thing. Um, But it's not a good thing when it's coupled with, um, you know, population loss, because that means that you probably have a worker shortage. Well, and that's that's been one of the questions that's been going around is, you know, we we talk about having the low unemployment rate, but you still have millions of jobs that are still out there that these these companies are trying to fill. And, you know, what would it look like if the skills or the abilities match those jobs in these towns? You know, the the employment picture looks looks quite a bit different and the future for for some of these towns looks uh, much different as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the skills is definitely a part of it, but a lot of the jobs, you know, don't require a lot of skill or they'll train you. I mean, that's mm. that's sort of part of, you know, what's happening is that these companies, they're offering training. I mean, they'll do it. You know, they'll they'll spend a year training you. They'll spend a few weeks training you to do what it is they need to do. One of the big companies that opened in Hamilton was a Barclays um, customer call center. Right. I mean, you don't need to know anything. They'll, they'll train you. They have a whole class. They have a whole program. Um, but they need the people. Um, and it's a sign also of a strong economy. I mean, they, they came to Hamilton and they were 48 people and they're like close to 600 today. Uh, and they are just desperate to hire and they just need bodies. Does Hamilton feel very, very positive that uh, you mentioned having Barclays there, that they are able to recruit, that they will be able to recruit other companies to be able to come there because of the potential successes they are starting to see? I, I think they're afraid that that could stop if they don't get more people. I think that they know that they need to recruit more companies um, because, you know, that's part of sort of growing an economy. Um, and right now, the companies that they have uh, are facing some problems finding the workers that they need. So you don't want those companies to leave and you don't want new companies to say, well, we don't want to go there. You've got a worker shortage. Uh, so, you know, the pool of talent is obviously, um, you know, a huge issue. I mean, you know, talking on another scale, you think about Amazon's search for a second headquarters. They're looking to employ 50,000 people. Yeah. So the number one thing that they're looking for is a U.S. city that has 50,000 people that they can hire. Um, and it doesn't matter how big a, you know, an employer is, whether they're the size of Amazon or whether they're a tiny employer, they want to know that they're going to be able to have a pool of talent that they can recruit. Well, you give an example in the story of, uh, of a young man who lives here in the Philadelphia area, and yeah. he was all set to, to go to Hamilton but then a company here in the Philadelphia offered him, uh, as you write in here, his dream job. And it's it was the difference of just $100 a month that, I guess, kept him here in the Philadelphia area. Well, I think what kept him was probably the dream job. Okay. Um, but, um, but yes, I mean, I, and I, the reason why I thought that example was particularly relevant is because you had a situation where somebody, Hamilton, was offering to pay off his student loan debt. This guy's got $30,000 of student loan debt. So they were going to pay, you know, $5,000 over the course of two years towards that. That's a nice chunk. It's not huge, but it's nice. Um, but the company in Philadelphia was willing to also pay off his student loan debt. They're paying off $100 a month for as long as he's at the company in the life of his loan. So, you know, yeah. if he's there for 10 years, that's a better deal. Um, so, but, but I think the point that it highlights is just that it's not going to be so easy for these places because it's not like they're the only place in the world that's figured out that student loan debt is a challenge or that there are different financial incentives that you can give to people to get them to work for you. Yeah. And so, you know, they've got to convince people like this guy, David, uh, that he shouldn't take his dream job in Philadelphia, you know, in a, in a big city and instead move out to small Hamilton, Ohio, uh, for really not much more money. How much? Much and in some of these towns, I would think, and I I mentioned this before that that manufacturing was probably the thing that carried the city. If you go back, you know, forty, fifty, sixty years, you mentioned Barclays being in there. That's not obviously in the manufacturing sector, but are some of these cities maybe benefiting towards the kind of the rebirth of manufacturing, or do they hope that they will be in the future because of potentially some of these jobs and and some of these people moving here? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the whole Midwest, 
you know, has seen a, a resurgence in manufacturing, especially what they call advanced manufacturing, um, which is where you're using sort of a, a higher skill set, um, more, you know, higher tech, forms of technology, automation, things like that. Um, there are lots of jobs in manufacturing, and that's kind of um, a separate but somewhat connected story. Um, and, you know, like you say, the issue there, there was a decline in manufacturing, and there's been somewhat of a resurgence, but there's this skills gap because so many people left that industry because of the decline in manufacturing. Um, and perhaps also some people say, you know, because we've been pushing young people towards right. a four-year college degree, as opposed to sort of, you know, technical skills or things like that, um, that now there's this gap of, there, there just aren't enough people who have the skills to have a career in manufacturing. Um, and so there's just been tremendous effort on that front from different companies, from manufacturing associations, from state governments to try to, you know, convince young people, you don't need to go to a four-year college, you can make a good living, you know, working in manufacturing. Um, I think in a place like Hamilton, uh, they really want to diversify their economy, um, mm -hmm. probably because one of the things that some of these Rust Belt communities have learned is that um, – you know, industries like manufacturing can be very, very cyclical. And yeah. so, you know, you can do really well when things are good. So things are pretty good right now. But when things go down, you lose your job for five years. And then what do you do? Um, so I think they feel like it's important that they don't just rely on manufacturing um, and that, you know, people kind of have other options for jobs. Well, and, and talk for a minute about the, the, the property element of this, because you have uh, some of these towns that are basically offering land uh, to people to be able to come there. You mentioned it's kind of like the, uh, you talked with somebody about the fact that it's like the days of the old Homestead Act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... Um I, I think the whole idea is sort of like the Homestead Act. It's like, you know, kind of yeah. like, we're we're in the middle of nowhere. Come live here. We'll give you something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should say, like, not, there are other places that are trying different things. Some places are giving land. You know, some places are giving you uh, money towards a down payment. I mean, they're kind of thinking um, in the terms of, like, how do we get people to put down roots? Um, how do we get people to stay here, um, move here and stay here? I think that's a little more challenging, actually than to tell young people to come for two years um, because, you know, then people are really having to put down a commitment, um, a long-term commitment. And so, you know, I think going somewhere when you're 22, 24 for two years, I mean, what's two years? It's nothing. Right. Um, you know, when you're telling somebody, you know, we'll give you land or we'll give you $10,000 towards a down payment, you know, then you're saying, okay, we want you to live here, raise your family here. We want you to be here for forever for at least 15 years <laughs> is there i would wonder if there if there is a concern i mean you, you talk in the story about how the chamber of commerce in north platte nebraska you know off, starting to offer up ten thousand dollars to move to the city i wonder you know how how often can they do this how frequently can they do this to be able to have you know the impact that they probably need to have in that town yeah i mean i think that's a great point and and also to that point um I think so far only two people have um, done it. One person um, is already there, and uh, the other person is in the process of moving. Right. Um, so you know you're not talking about big numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that's sort of part of what I think is you know kind of the point is that it's highlighting how desperate these places are. There are some places that are more desperate, some places that are less desperate. I think yeah. North Platte is probably a more rural area, and so they're going to have an even tougher time getting people. Hamilton is a city that's not too far from Cincinnati. So, you know, yes, it's a small city, and, you know, it's 
got a long way to go before it can really compete with a place like Cincinnati. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's not in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, you know, different different levels. Shandy, thank you very much for coming on and, and telling the story. It's, it's very interesting. And obviously, this is going to be one that, that probably has a follow-up in a year or two. Thanks very much for coming on. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.